Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. I'm not Justin Frazier. I am Christopher Walker. <laughs> and I'm Casey Price. Back with us again. Hello, Casey. Hello, y'all. What, where, where is it we, we're sitting right now? Well, this happens to be Broken Throne Brewing. <laughs> little three and a half barrel brew house we opened up here in uh, Pikeville, Kentucky. We're sitting, yeah, sorry, it's going to be a little loud. There are a few, uh, few notable college games it's happening in the background. Rival night, apparently, a rival yes. day. Um, you don't mess with football. college college sports in Eastern Kentucky. No, no kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, right now. Huge congratulations! Uh, this has yes. been uh, a giant labor of love for you. Again, as we say, your third child. Yeah, for sure. And it is extremely odd to be sitting inside of a five-year-old joke. <laughs> yeah, just wait until we have our Delatters brand come yes, out. Yes, we are. We're live April from Fool's Day. from Delatters <laughs> Brewing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sorry, uh, Justin is not here because we could not arrange for us all to be in the same place yeah. at once. That's just how it is. We're recording this on Thanksgiving weekend, and unfortunately, he uh, he had works things happen. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he texted me earlier. He was like, "Everything's conspiring against me today." <laughs> So. All right. Well, um, let's let's take a rip off here of one of all of our favorite podcasts, Cincy uh, oh. Brewcast, and I, I don't have the sounders. So I'm just going from the beer fridge. <laughs> I just got the little jingle thing in my head from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's accurate. All right, Casey. Let's get one in us, and we'll so start talking and working through this flight. Starting from your all's right, we'll go right to left on you all left right on me. Okay. So the dark one. Yes, <laughs> we're gonna starting go, dark. Okay, we're gonna go dark to light because actually this um, I'm cool with that. This is our um, oatmeal stout, and even though it's a dark beer, it's probably one of our lightest styles um, whenever it comes to flavor and, and and profile overall. Ooh, okay, so I can smell like lactose heavy on that. Just putting my nose over it, and it's it smells smoky. Yeah. There is a, um, a Black Prince malt in there and a chocolate malt. Those are the two that, that contribute to the color on that one. So um, the Black Prince can add a little bit of that smoky, uh, not, not smoke as much as the roasty toasty, um, a little on that side. Yeah, I would say roasted more than. Ro- definitely roasted. And oh. also. It's good. I like it. Big fan. On this one, it's um, 
it's got a little bit different malt bill. So instead of just going with basic malts, it's got a Maris Otter. And so a little bit more expensive malt, but also a much more flavorful malt. When you want a malt-forward beer, um, I went with something that had more malt flavor for that. It really, it's such a shame that you don't want to name your beer. <laughs> also, I, I don't think I, you probably couldn't call it Black Prince, but that would be really cool. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this one, uh, this one was one of our first few that we, we chucked out of here. I knew that we didn't necessarily need to go directly into light styles because if there were any flaws, I wanted to be able to hide behind a few things. Luckily, we didn't have a whole lot of issue with that. Hmm. Um, we went into this planning to dump the first three batches just because we assumed that they were going to be bad. Just trial. You, yep. This is going to be the error in the trial and yep. error of upsizing from homebrew level to yeah. three and a half barrel. Exactly. Um, and but luckily um, we were on Blickman equipment, um, three and a half barrel Blickman equipment. It's already programmed into my software. Um, whenever you buy uh, Beersmith, it, it's programmed in there. So literally, I took the system that I had at the house and worked on for so long, and and scrolled down a few clicks, pressed a button, and it says, "Oh, this is your recipe now." It just converted nice. up like yeah. that. That easy. Yeah, that easy. That's awesome. That is insane. <laughs> Welcome to the twenty first century. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess while we continue to drink to this one, what about, so I know there were a few soft openings working into a grand opening. Yeah. So how how was all that? Like, we were going to be here with <laughs> one of the, the first soft opening to That's talk about. Issues. But, yeah. We, uh, we went into our soft openings assuming that we would be slammed, and we tended to be slammed. Um, we gated them a little bit by putting a ticket with it, um, you still got your value of the ticket plus some um, in, in merchandise, T-shirts, things like that. But we knew that it would help keep the, the numbers a little bit lower so that we could kind of train our staff and get everybody kind of on board. Um, our first night open, though, we didn't have any staff, so it was just us, the, the five <laughs> owners um, that were here, you know, serving beers, slinging beers. And so um, we were we were kind of a little bit out of our element. I think <laughs> um, maybe two of us total had worked <laughs> restaurant business behind the bar before so it was a little bit different but uh but definitely well worth it to kind of see how things ran number one trying to figure out what the the taste of pika was going to be and right. so we we went into this I, I had kind of a throwaway beer in our blonde because i was just like well we need something light refreshing and, and something that folks would would be able to kind of just approach easily we'll get to that one here next but um, what turned out to be sort of like a throwaway on my end, and I'm thinking, eh, we'll just make a few kegs, so we'll have it back there. It ended up being the first beer that sold out. And so we were we were really kind of hustling to try to get that beer re-brewed. Um, our, we went into this whole philosophy with our whole philosophy being, you know, with Broken Throne, you never know what the next beer to be dethroned will be, so get it while it's here. Um, because we, we don't intend on rebrewing a whole lot of beers. Um, that goes back into the naming convention because – if we're out here naming every beer we make, we're going to run right. out of names real quick. <laughs> That's not wrong. Um, so I mean, you can just take different avenues. Come on. I'm, I'm going to continue to press you to name <laughs> beers. We, we've got one named right now, and it's an IPA we'll have here in a little bit. But um, but that's the only named beer, quote-unquote, that we've got. Um, once we, you know, down the road, plan on getting into distribution, we'll probably name those yeah. the distributed beers. But most of the stuff that we produce in-house is – is coming and going so quickly, we just can't. That's fair. Can't spend a whole lot of time on it. Maybe like a. Or do you plan on doing any special one-offs or anything like a seasonal? Like this is a special release. Well, pretty much everything's a one-off. It sounds like well, for okay, right that, now. That, that's true. I guess I meant like something, you know, off the wall. Yeah. Like um, maybe you could name that one. I yeah. Don't know. Some some weird stuff. 
um, we're we're doing some collab. We're working on some collabs right now, and so there's there's th two to three different breweries that we're working on doing collaborations with. Um, with that in mind, we're we're kind of thinking of some off the ball stuff with that. Um, in the planning process right now, we have a a Pikeville specific beer that's going to be coming out. Um, I wonder who that could be with. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> of course there's Alltech across the road from us. Um, Literally across the road. So I did yeah. not realize until Google was bringing us the most bass backwards way. To be fair, here, that was Apple was Maps. Like, <laughs> Apple, okay, so that explains it all. And it, it was trying to say you're on the other end of Main Street. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, why? I was like, no, I know it is on this end of Main yep. Street, so I had to go off because I just didn't know if, I couldn't remember if the street out front was one way or not. Yep, it is. So that's... <laughs> I was like, oh, crap, which way do we need to go? Because it was taking us to the opposite side. But anyway, we drove past Alltech. Yeah, I, like, I hadn't seen it before. I was it like, they're gorgeous. almost across the alley. Yeah. Like, they are right there. They're it, a 30 bear. They're about 10 times larger than us as far well, as size goes. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> but they're right there. And yep. it's, I was sitting here in my head. I was like, you know, I think Casey and Justin, yeah, they've rolled bourbon barrels further than that. So <laughs> it's, not, it's not out of the question. One Saturday you might catch yeah. Casey and Justin. Uh, old school rolling barrels down the street. <laughs> and that's kind of the, the idea is that we would be kind of the three things that you're going to find in Pikeville, of course, are the, the beer on this end, or three drinks that you'll find in Pikeville, the beer on this end. Um, Alltech, with the, the brewery here in Pikeville, they do make beer, but they also have a distillery. Mm. And so they've got uh, moonshine and bourbon that they're distilling there, uh, oh. which is really, really cool. They've got three different stills, one moonshine still and then two stills for the bourbon side of things. And then um, down the road, a new new coffee place recently opened up, and they do the roasting there in house. Oh, I bet that oh. smells great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so we are we're going to try to do a three part Pikeville beer where we take our beer, um, the the coffee from down the road at the roaster, Lincoln Road, um, and we are going to marry that with the barrels that we'll get from Alltech. Nice. And so if we can do those three things together, we'll get the best of all three worlds and and be able to do a combo with those three brewery, or three entities. And I assume that would be like, that would have to be bottled or canned or whatever you're going to do for that. Or, or would it just be a thing you buy here? It may be something that we put in kegs and can distribute out to the local local uh, yeah. restaurants or even, you know, just us and Alltech have it. You know, the two gotcha. places with, with licenses. And so we're looking at um, ways that we can kind of build that collaboration into some, some kind of bigger things down the road, um, whether that be packaging it and selling it out. Uh, we do something once a year maybe with them, whatever that may be. Um, we're just kind of looking at ways that we can kind of merge with these businesses here oh, yeah. um, on small projects. Emphasizing the local. That's a good idea. Absolutely. And then there's there's a couple other breweries that we're, we're talking to right now. And um, hopefully if – I, you know, digging into all this, the legislation and the rules and the laws are all kind of the hard part of, of kind of figuring this stuff out, the business side and, and, and working with that. The beer is like 10% of the work, really. Uh, the rest of it's all in just figuring out the business entity stuff. But if what I'm understanding is going on will we'll be able to continue, we may be able to not have to put a beer into distribution to share that with a collaborator. Okay. And so um, I, I'm been, I've been digging around because we, we heard about this, but at the same time, I didn't want to just jump in on maybe breaking a law without doing our due diligence and figuring out, okay, everybody's doing it, but does that mean it's legal? <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's like line shares. Everyone does it. Does that mean it's legal? No, it is 100% not <laughs> legal pretty much anywhere. Exactly. But everyone does it. Yep. 
So hopefully if we can we can get that worked out, um, we won't even have to have distribution into the cities and we can still get our beer. So if we collaborated with a brewery up in Cincinnati, or not Cincinnati, but on the, the Kentucky side of that, that Lexington city. Lexington even, yeah. Yeah. And that's <coughs> exactly um, if we collaborated with them, we would be able to basically put our beer in that area without having to sign an official distribution agreement to that area that's and cool. locking ourselves in on a single. Distributor. That makes so much sense. I was, I was always so angry. I never thought about that side, like the legalese side of it. So you get all these collaborations from breweries. So we would get uh, creature comforts just did a collaboration with um, uh, Mad Tree. And so it's seeing like these breweries doing these collaborations that we could hardly ever get a hold of. I'm trying to think, like there've been a bunch in the past where Cincinnati breweries are doing collabs with you know some of the Northeast breweries and things like that that don't ever get distributed down there. Yep. And it's, I never put two and two together to think, oh yeah, it's because they don't want to have to try to deal with getting a distributor for all that stuff for a single beer you know what could be the equivalent of 20 kegs and that that'd be that so that's like uh listerman and like they do tons of collaborations with tons of people and it'll only get distributed at one of the breweries either them or the collaborator yeah and my understanding uh from what i'm being told and we're still having to work around what the, the legalese and there's supposed to be a letter out there that says the ABC is okay with this and as soon as I see that we're okay um, but what I'm told is basically if you help purchase the ingredients as another brewery you can take home whatever percentage of the cost of those ingredients that you put in so if you put in 50% of the ingredient cost you can take home 50% of the beer whenever it's done for many and so I'm working on trying to make sure that that's truly the case and not just what what's going on um, and if that's the case, then we can come in and say, all right, come in, collaborate with us. We'll brew it on our system, and you get to take home, you know, 10 kegs of beer, basically, um, at the end of the day. And Which is probably a good way to make friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, I they, mean if they come in and chip in and say, you know, a batch of beer costs, you know, it, let's, let's assume a batch of beer costs $800. And they put in $400 worth of ingredients and get to take home the, the kegs at the end of the day that that that's a great way to kind of yeah. build that relationship, but also go into markets where you aren't known yet and start building a clientele base before you even get there, just on yeah. the business end of things. So I do have to say an idea for if you do start packaging or just an advertising logo for any collaborations needs to just be the, uh, the hop wearing the crown, a crude sticker or crude Photoshop over the other brewery's logo. Over top of it. That just needs to all be all it is. Because they're king. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, so and I was I couldn't help but picture it. So if you did something with say Rheingeist, just basically put it over <laughs> the skull, the ghost, the, the river yeah, ghost thing. Yeah. Put it over theirs, and so that that's all. Yeah. You don't put your name or anything. Just put that logo. And we've we've been pushing a lot of our marketing has been this take over a uh, a, a painting from a classic artist and and put our hop head man on there which i want to see some of those paintings hanging yeah. in the tap room i'll show you we, we have one painted here actually oh back, and not not with a, a classic artist but one of the um uh, local artists here came in and did a painting and one of our um owners here bought it and, and donated it donated it back to the brewery so i'll show you here in a little bit oh. afterwards it's it's got the hop head in it but also some some really cool art That's it just awesome. hit me so the big blank wall back there mm -hmm. um, murals 
get local mm. artists to come do murals yeah. and then paint the hop head oh. over. So just like copy murals of right. you know the famous paintings. Classics. And we're just here to give ideas yeah, on yeah. us. Put the hop head <laughs> over them. No, yeah, uh, that I mean that that kind of I don't know. What do you call it? Avant garde. What uh, whatever you would call that the kind of pirate marketing yeah. um, where you just take somebody else's uh, classic work that's in the public domain and use it on that end. parody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of works Parody out. street art. <laughs> there we go. Speaking of parody street art, uh, why don't you tell us about this next one? Because we've all downed the first one. That's yeah. to be said. Yeah, it's, it was delicious. Crushable. Awesome. Like it is. Yeah. I've never had. I've so never of course, had, we're partial yeah. to the dark stuff anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is one of the things I was thinking is this is it's hard for me to come to grips with I have to share Casey's beer with people <laughs> we're used to getting like private keggings and <laughs> I mean there's I, I still can homebrew at some level and to be perfectly honest if we're in here creating a batch of beer and I make a little too much ward or we get a little bit over efficient and I come out with with some extra uh, five gallons I could take a bucket of wort and you know chip in a little extra on, on the back end, take a bucket of wort home, and, and legally that's perfectly fine because it's not alcohol at that point. Yeah. Um, it's just sugar water. And so <laughs> um, there's some, some breweries out there that are really good about kind of chipping into the homebrew community by saying, we're going to brew a batch of beer today. Come in with your five-gallon bucket. We're going to hand you the yeast, and we'll fill up your bucket, and then you go home and ferment it, and then we'll try all the beers later on together. So That's really cool. Some cool yeah. stuff doing And it's that a good one. way to foster... Yeah. The homebrew community. Because, I mean, we can give away yeast. We can give away wort. We can't give away beer. But <laughs> yeah. we can give away those two things, and you can make your own. It's like yeah. the workarounds that you have to do when you're, like, mailing some of the stuff. And, and or it's like yeah. prohibition and being like, oh, here's this brick. This is totally not a recipe for <laughs> the ex Do not do these things. Yeah. And, <laughs> and wait, you know, an hour. And <laughs> All right. So this next beer, decidedly lighter in yeah. color. So um, even though, you know, I, I think we're going probably in lightest to um, heaviest as in our beers, um, the Oatmeal Stout definitely like 4.7% ABV. Uh, it's my winter uh, all day beer, if you will. It's the one that, of those that you can drink as much as you want because it's not yeah. super heavy. It's not super thick. Um, it, it's definitely crushable. This is the one that kind of started out in my book as a throwaway beer. Uh, okay. um, this is the Blonde. And so what happened on the blonde was, and, and, and the crazy thing is, I'll have to repeat this every time we make it, <laughs> is as, as I'm working through this process, we, you know, in Kentucky have swings of heat. And so I was knocking this out at the end of the day and putting it into the fermenter. And it came in and it was too hot to pitch yeast into when it was in, started in the fermenter. So... You know, it went down to like 90 instead of 60, the mid-60s where I want it. Um, so I was like, well, uh, it was already late. I think it was one of these beers that I brewed after my day job. So I came in here. It was probably like midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. I was like, I am not waiting around for that to cool down any further. Went home and came in the next day and pitched yeast in it. Well, I was thinking it was the throwaway beer, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Now, since it's selling so well, I have to do this <laughs> every, every time. I have to go and be like, all right, it's got to sit overnight before we pitch the yeast in it. Because I'm like, what what are we seeing here that's going to be the change? Because I put oxygen in the night before while it's being transferred in. But so much has probably dissipated out by the time it comes in the next day that the yeast actually get a little bit stressed out. <laughs> and whenever you're, you're smelling what's in here, I think it's a little bit of yeast stress. But people are really liking it. It's, it's, a, it's a unique scent. 
like a unique aroma and a really sweet but somewhat unique taste too. Yeah, it's very like very effervescent. Like the just the smells coming out of this. I'm like, it's a blonde. I shouldn't yeah. be digging my nose in that much, yeah. but I am. It's, it's more complex than a standard blonde. I feel like right, and it's not. I mean, it's almost a hazy blonde. I put in some oats and some wheat in this one as well. So, I mean, technically it's a weeded beer, um, but the creaminess adds a lot to the mouthfeel. Um, this is, that you're tasting right now, I had to keg off a three kegs just so we could have it. It's still, um, it's what we've we've put in the bright take, and, and I just had to stop kegging halfway through just because I wanted it to finish up a little bit because it's still got a little bit of that tanniny kind of tongue puckering stuff going on. I, I don't hate it necessarily, but it's one of those things that it's not where I want it to be, and so I wanted to leave it in the, the bright take to clear up a little bit more. Um, it's never going to get clear just because of all the the stuff that's in it that, that yeah. causes cloudiness. But cloudy's in right now, so I'm okay yeah. with that. It's the hot thing. You got to go with what's popular to some degree. <laughs> y- y- exactly. If we called it a hazy blonde, I mean, it probably would sell four times faster. But yeah. at the same time, uh, I can't make it four times faster. <laughs> so Fair. Um, it was our first rebrew, so it was one of those things that we just had to kind of get on as quickly as possible. You got to give the people what they want. <laughs> well, that's so. Given this beer, it's, it stands by itself. But and it's also the popular beer on right now. It stands that it would do very well with variants. Yeah, yeah. We did a peach version of this, mm. and we called it Peaches and Cream. Um, it was our. It was a beer that we. I mean, really, I made this as a base uh, in, in the in, right. in the recipe original recipe. It just says blonde base. Um, and we, we really called it the basic blonde for a while. <laughs> See, this is what we're saying, Casey. That, that's the name. That's keeps, everyone just heard it. That's that is it. That's so politically name. incorrect, though, <laughs> to say it like that. So we, we called it the, the, the basic blonde-based beer for other things that we were going to add in. And so what we did was we took two kegs of it and added 42 pounds of peaches in two kegs. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, and okay. It, we, we ended up with this, this ended beer. Ended up with peach schnapps. It was, I mean... <laughs> It was a little crazy because we had to, even though we pulled it off of the bright tank and and let it clear in there first before we pulled it out, um, it still had so much peach suspended in it that the first like probably six seven glasses you pour off you had to throw away because all the peach puree <laughs> would would come down to the bottom of the keg and yeah. settle. So I mean it's like uh, one of these juicy hazy I don't know p- fruit bombs the unfiltered that you get. Yeah. exactly. Um, but we have people that are coming right now asking for more of that, and I'm like, no, <laughs> maybe next year. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be one of those beers probably that we'll, we'll continue to add stuff to. We're going to try to do some firkins eventually, um, so nice. it may be one of those things that we can do a firkin of it and, and do it just as a one-off one night, and when it's gone, it's gone. My favorite combo for that, of course, is also is done in a lot of the blondes and, and lighter ales. So I still will always maintain blueberries are the best fruit mm-hmm. to put in beer. And if you want to do like a blueberry lemon thing in the summer. Oh, yeah. Just put oh. that out there. Shandy-esque. <laughs> yeah. But not too sweet or anything, but like yeah. they're, they're perfect like balance of each other. Yep. Just, just yes. We debated <laughs> even doing um, this beer over um, and then, then having a simple syrup or even... Just a flavored water. Um, I don't like artificial flavorings in my beers. Mm. But if you like... No, you'd have to do real fruit. Yeah. Real, yeah. 
if you like artificial flavors and those types of things, we could have them back in squirt bottles and just throw them in the bottom <laughs> of the cup and pour the blonde over top of it, and you've got your I like your that beer cocktail. It's, yeah. You know what? It's not our thing. So you can hear the pieces. You can put yeah. one and one together and make two yourself. If you like it. Because <laughs> if we did it with the peach puree, it really needs time on it to get that peach flavor in. Yeah. Um, even between the first keg and the second keg we pulled, the amount of of time that that was was probably less than a week and a half and it still tasted peachier in that second keg than it did in the first keg so um, it's a huge difference i mean if we could leave it on peaches for a week and a half before we kegged it it probably would be best Um, we took that a little bit to heart whenever we did our uh, one of the beers you're going to taste in a little bit uh, which has passion fruit in it and so we added that passion fruit and let it sit uh, a good two weeks before we pulled that out makes sense and so it was it was very well worth it but yeah, kind of your your basic introduction to beer. Beer. I do have a lager on right now, so I've always been a fan of craft lagers, as you know. And so um, we've got the time on the kegs right now, or on the the, the um, fermenters right now, where we can do that before we start into distribution. Um, it's the middle of winter, mm. so it's a little bit of a weird time for us to do a, a lager. But at the same time, I really like the idea <laughs> of having a lager on for whenever the one of the, the local artists is coming in for a three-day concert series here. Oh. And they've sold out the expo. So uh, country music and lager beers go beer, well yeah. together. Do you have to, like, beat around the bush with who that is? I mean, I think everyone knows the last name. Yeah, well, go ahead. <laughs> You're so, saying because oh, you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, 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 I want to say Brantley Gilbert, but it's not Brantley no. Gilbert. Um, it's it's one of the local um, artists here in um, from – I think Paintsville. Um, I'm, he, I'm just blanking on the name right now. He has a chain of office stores. Really? <laughs> I'm just guessing it's Chris oh. Stapleton. Yes, Chris Stapleton. Staples. Oh, I see where you're going. There. In a thousand years, I wouldn't have picked <laughs> that up. I'm sorry. I, this is when I need Justin. Justin. Yeah, you, he would have. He would have followed that you. And you're yelling. <laughs> yeah, when he hears this, he's he's gonna. We're gonna get a little string of messages in the in the group chat of just yeah. like. And then this point, and <laughs> uh, the, the song that I do—I mean, the song I do remember—is the "Buy Me a Boat" that he <laughs> sings. That's kind of the the one that. And then I, we were listening, we were watching the games earlier, and one of his songs came on like during a commercial, <laughs> and I was like, "That's weird," because I thought somebody just had the radio on, but it was a TV. So it was kind of an odd, odd huh. thing. I don't know, different stuff. <laughs> but yeah. So um, the blonde's kind of like that—that that easily crushable beer. Um, it's done well for us. Uh, we probably made the least of this beer, but it was the quickest to sell out. Um, whereas our New England IPA is probably going to be the second quickest to sell out. It's, the, well, it's yeah. still going to be the thing. Yep. <laughs> so big spread on that end. But we'll talk a little bit about some of the other stuff that's coming up to kind of replace those whenever they come through. All right. Well, I guess uh, bottoms up for those who want to, and then we're going to move next to which, which one? Went, to so the, the next the one's the amber. This is the prettiest one. <laughs> nice and dark. Yeah, I like the color. So this one, I I wanted a good amber, but I wanted an amber that didn't come across with a lot of diacetyl or a lot of that cloying sweetness. Um, fat tire does really well in this area, but in my opinion, I'm not a big fat tire fan. Because diacetyl. Yeah. So I get a lot of that, um, and I'm, I'm super sensitive to those flavors. They, they don't necessarily pop out to me as like that flavor exactly, but it pops out to me as 
I just really don't like this. It, it's just a bad flavor. I just can't drink a whole lot of them type of thing. So I wanted a beer that um, is something that I could drink while I'm brewing or, or as I'm going through the day, something that I could drink a lot of. So I wanted a lot of flavor, but I also didn't want necessarily to have to worry about um, that beer being really sweet and, and sickly sweet to a certain extent. So that's where this one came from. Um, it's not, Ambers aren't ever going to be a huge seller. Um, this one has been really good for us, but um, it's not been one of those top three beers. I, I am happy that we've got it because it's that in-between for somebody that's moving from that blonde into something else crafty. Um, it doesn't have a ton of, of hops in it, but it gets you a little bit closer to that hoppiness that you're going there's, for. I was going to say, there's something else in there. What hops are you using? So I think this one's CTZ on the bittering side, and I think it's got a little touch of Cascade late hop addition, uh, but not a lot. Um, yeah. No dry hops or anything like that. I used Maris Otter, and then, um, you know, that's that's a little bit more expensive malt, so you, you pay for it, but you get a little bit better flavor, I think, on the background. You get, like, a good good background malt. I also used Munich malt, and so this is similar to an Oktoberfest done with an that's L That's what I was, okay, that's what I'm getting. Yep, and so um, a little bit on that side, you're getting some of the Octobery, Oktoberfesty, and that's the color that you're going to get here, too. Um, we, we like L's here because they're quick, um, but I also like L's because they've got a very rounded out flavor profile, and so you're going to get more fruity notes than you would with a lager. And I like that with, with the amber especially. I get a slight bit of soapiness. That's just me, though. Because you, know, you all know I'm weird. Um, but it's, it's, all, it's, well, I mean, it's so cascade. slight. And right. yeah, maybe that's... Get that. Cascade I understand what you're saying there. It's towards the back end a but little I bit. But I otherwise do love it because it, it does remind me of a Meritzen, but better because I always... Meritzen's and, and kind of Vienna lagers to a degree always get too sweet and I will never not taste Campbell's tomato soup or smell it. Or so like this is at least not in that realm at all yeah. for me, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it has that vibe of a Meritzen, but is better to me. We haven't had any issues with fermentation, um, complete fermentation at all, which is really great. So we're not getting a whole lot of residual sweetness on our beers. They're drying out well. Mm. Um, I found out a couple days ago it's maybe because other breweries aren't pitching as much yeast as what we are. Um, when I do the yeast calculations according to what the data shows, it's like so many cells per milliliter per degree of, of Play-Doh. So basically the sweeter it is, the more cells you need. And also um, if you're pitching into lagers versus L's and, and, and all that. So. Whenever I do those calculations on my own, I know how many billions of cells I need for our fermentation. Whenever I'm looking at what a pitch is from some of the major suppliers, they're, they're suggesting that this baggie of yeast is enough to pitch for uh, an entire fermenter. And I'm like, but that's not what the math is saying. My math is saying I need four of those in order to make it mm. right on the numbers. Ah. And so... I'm like, all right, that may be that may be something moving into the the commercial world that a lot of folks don't really go 
go that far. Um, is that like a cost saving, you think? Or? Maybe. A lot of places just reuse yeast. So, I mean, it's not a huge cost savings. If you're if you're reusing the yeast and pulling it right out of the bottom, you could you could buy the same size pitch and or, you know, a little bit larger pitch and save you know, pennies on the dollar or pennies on the beer. I think it's because there there's a lot of folks talking about this, but they haven't done the math to cross over. That may be one of the things, or it may be that this is just the style that they like, and, and that's kind of the way it goes. Um, if, if they like that style of beer, then it works for them, and that, that flavor that they get from a little bit different pitch rate than what I'm using, then that's fine. Um, for our end, we, we've had no issues with the higher pitch rate, of course. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's one of those things that, I'm willing to try to back it off a bit to see what that point is, whether we can go in half or whether it, we can go all the way down to what everybody else is using. It's on the homebrew side, I had issues with, with not completing fermentation um, all the way down to where I'd like it. On this side, not had any issues at all. So I kind of like using a little bit more yeast. I was going to say, like, it's, it's really no pun intended here but if it, if it ain't broken don't fix it yeah you know exactly <laughs> and it's it's really not a huge cost savings to go with uh, we pay probably more in shipping for the yeast because mm. it's overnight shipping <laughs> um, than we do paying for the yeast itself most of the time mm. so it, it's a kind of a, a win-win either way I gotta say as this is warmed in my hand I'm getting more of a biscuity yeah there's that's definitely there check and see it has a. It's weird. It has, it's an amber with a lot of lager qualities. <laughs> yeah, we're we're really happy with with kind of the way it turned out. Now, all, with all this, it's kind of like how you market it. So, um, it's it's one of those things that if we were to come in and say, oh yeah, this is this is Oktoberfest light or something or Oktoberfest ale, you know, we could definitely get by with that. But it's a different kind of a different ball game. Um, I'm showing that I have amber malt in there, which may be a little bit of that biscuity note, so the uh, light Munich as well. Um, caramel 120, which is where you're going to get a little bit more of the, the toffee, um, mm. plum, figgy kind of flavors. Mm. And then my favorite is the Thomas Fawcett um, 60. It's the caramel 2. It's a 60, so it's a, it's a European-style malt. It's got a little bit different flavor to it, and I think that's where I'm getting a lot of those really richer notes that come in through the middle. Hmm. Um, the malt bill's kind of complex on this one compared to what I normally do, but with an amber, it's all malt. So I, yeah. can't, I can't hide behind hops on that one. I've got to have a really good complex malt bill, I think. I like it. Also, not going to lie, like in the back of my mind, I'm always like, well, what's the name of this one that it could be? Oh. This one I'm just going to call Pretend Oktoberfest. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> The there is a politically incorrect name for this one, but I I, I dare not even um, ah. I dare not even go there oh. on the air. We've we can say that we've mentioned it on the show before. Exactly, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Listen to previous episodes. Okay, <laughs> it, w it was named a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, it's part of why we can't have back, political careers. Back in season, I thought you were going to say why we can't have nice things. Oh, well, <laughs> that too. <laughs> or year one, I guess we'll say. All right, so let's go to the last one for flight number one. Yeah. Um, and this is a very dry, sparkling pale ale. Um, I had somebody ask me, why do I call it a sparkling pale ale? And it comes down to the fact that it's not, I wanted to make sure to differentiate it from um, Sierra Nevada. Because everybody thinks that's the pale ale. And it is a very good and very two-style pale ale. But this is very much drier. Um, it's a very much more crisp. And so um, this was one of those quick 
pale ales that could kind of suffice to almost take the place of a lager for our group. Um, there is a little bit of that. I mean, the Cascade's in there still. Um, we, you know, we bought a few. When you're buying hops at this, you're much too large for a homebrew shop, um, but you're too small to order in 44-pound cases. And so I, I bought 11 pounds of Cascade, and so the Cascade is, is kind of sprinkled through a few different beers here. Mm. Um, same thing. We, we bought a ton of, like, probably almost 100 pounds of Mosaic hops. Oh. We've got them on a great deal, but we got 100 pounds of Mosaic hops. So, you know, I'll be doing a lot of Mosaic beers, just kind of <laughs> the way it runs. Um, but this one has that Cascade hop through it as well. And it definitely, like, as soon as you said uh, Sierra Nevada... So it's just like, it is a just it's a really it's a drier version. Yeah, and so the sparkling side of it is just kind of bringing it open and, and saying, hey, this is drier. It's going to be, uh, what was the, brute IPA almost? Yeah, um, very brute i the, the brute version of a Sierra Nevada pale ale type thing. That I think that nails it. Yeah, with the dryness, it really adds that. And then, but it's still, I haven't really had a lot of hoppy brutes. Yeah, but this one is delivering. Yeah, um, it, it's got just a, a slight, I think it's like in the 30, 40 IBU range, so just a slight hot bitterness in there. Um, and then the fact that it's it's got added gypsum. So there's, there's two different water changes that we make here. Either we add gypsum if we want things to be more hoppy, and then if we want them to be more malty, we add calcium chloride. So those two things kind of counteract each other. Um, and so depending on the balance or the ratio, you're going to get a hoppier or sweeter beer. Um, calcium chloride, you add that heavily into your um, New England styles and in your hoppier, very hop forward, low malt flavor, West, West Coasty type stuff, you're going to add more gypsum. And so that, that combo, um, we added a whole lot of gypsum to this. And so it really pops those, those hops. Even though it's only a certain number of calculated IBUs, it tastes much more bitter than what say, you get calculated. Yeah. Yep. And that's why um, I was talking to somebody the other day. That's why I'm such a big proponent of getting rid of IBUs completely. Because they're not, ac- they're, they're so, I'm trying to compare it to something in my head, but like, it, it's just not what you're getting. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost like judging, judging the book by its cover situation because you're like, well, this is going to be really bitter. And it's like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> or the other way around. Yep. And so I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, let's just put on there aggressive bitterness less like even if we do like uh, just like a, a, a sliding scale yeah and i think that's that's going to tell the consumer a lot more than what you know what there's getting down to ibus the ibu wars are over and mm, so yeah. those folks that were really pushing for <laughs> for let's get past 100 ibus um yeah. really quick let's let's kind of back that down into more reasonable <laughs> ibu range now um and even on the case of the new england style ipas you know 30 40 ibus for an, an IPA is a lot in the, their world. Um, mm. You're not adding hops until the end of the boil. So you're only getting what little bit creeps out of there at the very end. So we may eventually change our menus to to reflect the fact that I really don't care too much for IBUs. Um, <laughs> we may just say hop bitterness high, medium, low, something like that. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, it's on our menu. Just you know, because you gotta <laughs> appease those those folks that are really interested. And if you want to put it online, you know, everywhere online, ask for the IBUs. It's kind of one of those form fill places that you can't just pass over either. So till they get get behind it as well, we'll have to. 
continue in that direction. We should petition continue. untapped. <laughs> For sure. Yes, and get their unpaid uh, people who are the ones tending to most of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To change it. For sure. Someone who's volunteering their time. All right, well, that's, that's tying up this flight. So let's take a short break before we get into flight number two. So we will be right back. It'll be instantaneous for you all, but we're going to have to take a, a short break. <coughs> all right, and we are back. Hello. Woo. And take a nice uh, sandwich and bathroom break, which I, okay, not a criticism, more of a critique. <laughs> no, no, Casey, you are in. So, yeah, if you're not one of the patrons or if you're, you don't have to be a patron. If you're just not a part of our uh, Discord, you do not know of everyone always critiques the bathrooms at oh. breweries we go to. At, at the new inventive things, like some have windows where you're staring down into the brew floor. Right. Some uh -huh. have uh, halved kegs that you're peeing into yep. and different things like that. And you walk into the bathroom here while it's, it's nicer than any brewery bathroom has any right to be. Like you walk in, you're like, I feel like I'm at a, a you know a decent restaurant. Like it's it's some work was put into it. It's it's sparkling clean, but you're just like, it doesn't feel like I'm in a brewery while I'm in this bathroom. Oh. There's not I'm not shoulder to shoulder with someone. It's not a trough urinal. I could always I'm, blow out the back <laughs> back kind of wall of the back bathroom there, and so that way you can kind of look into. The like three compartment sink that's right behind <laughs> it. You know, so as I'm washing the dishes and everything, I'll be staring at you while you pee. Yeah, that's not weird. <laughs> Two way. They yeah, put the the one way mirror in there. Yeah. You can look at the the clientele. We've got some. Uh, you know, we were talking about some of those those paintings and stuff. We've got some ideas of things that we want to decorate the bathrooms with. Yeah. Um, coming through. I I mean I had there was one of the the partners I think that said, uh, let's just put a giant decal of the Hop King on the mirror. And that way, <laughs> over where the face, should over be. where your face uh, is, and so that you're not actually getting to see a mirror, but you get to see your face replaced by the hop, that's, hop face. No, that's a really good. So you know, or at least just the crown, like a Snapchat filter situation. Ooh, that could be, that could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I'll talk about that. <laughs> but no, so again, question uh, uh, or point on that: any bathroom backups yet on busy nights? No. And like long, long lines or yeah, something? Or? Not that I notice, of course. I'm on the other side, so I don't get to see that. But it doesn't. I mean, I've never had an issue popping up from behind the bar and running back there. They, so. they chain Casey behind behind the fermenters. And yeah. We, um, on our busiest nights, I'm the quiz master for the uh, mm. trivia. And so <laughs> um, I, I step away occasionally from the mic on that one, but uh, just, just occasionally. Just occasionally. All right. Well, we have a second flight in front of us here. So let's go ahead and dive in on these. Cool. Which one are we starting with? Start from the middle from you all and work your way out. Um, so you're going to go like from here oh, to okay. the middle of both of you and work your way out. So this is I saved our hops collection for last. Um, Which ones are we yep, doing? Yep, right here. Start there, and we'll go from there. So um, this is the West Coast IPA. So heavy centennial. Um, Cascade again shows its face in this one. CTZ um, is the bittering hop on this one. It's what I use for everything is CTZ. Smell the Cascade like it just yeah. tastes the Cascade. There's no way around it. West Coast, um, North Pacific Northwest hops, so I wanted heavy on that, that piney resinous. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of 420 in here, but, uh, <laughs> but there's a little bit of everything else kind of getting that, that flavor. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 
It's it's very. What'd you pick up on that one? I'm trying to pinpoint. I'm having a really tough time tonight thinking of like, <laughs> this is like X. <laughs> so for me, it's very low on the bitterness. Usually, mm-hmm. like on a lot of West Coast, you'll get that like, oh, and this like one knock you back. But this is very old. So I mean, I say old. It's still you know less than halfway through its life. Ban. Um, in, in IPA years. It's in the freshness <laughs> window. Exactly. And so, you know, you're you're getting a little bit of it and now that it's rounded out, some of that harshness that was on the bitterness. Um, this one did have a little bit more of the gypsum in it, though. So even though I think the, the hops on this one came into, like, the 57 IBU range, um, it's still – CTZ is one of my favorites out there because it adds such a smooth bitterness, um, in my opinion, of what I've found so far. I will say that it's not – so usually with a lot of just West Coast IPAs, they'll be kind of cloying, and it'll be like that that hop and that bitter will hang around. Yeah. This is the flavor hits your tongue, and then it it washes off. Like it's just you're like hmm. There's yeah. a pleasant kind of fruit um, aspect yeah. that happens, but I I cannot pinpoint it to save my life right now. So I used a different yeast on this than what I used in most of my or any of the other stuff, and this is a San Diego Super yeast. Um, it is. The same yeast that another very popular San Diego brewery. We're Stone. Stones in uh, Escondido. I think it's Stones. Um, it's Stone because they're is that outside San Diego? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Stones yeast. Um, they also call it the Pac-Man yeast. Um, it's just oh. really fast and and really it goes quick. And so it, it's a very fruity, very big yeast. Um, WLP. Zero nine zero um, is the yeast, and so it's it's delicious in my opinion. But it also is a workhorse in the brewery because <laughs> it's going to pump out that beer really quick. That's handy. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a, yeah, in comparison, like how long? How what's your wait time on that? It'll like, cut about two to three days off of a oh off wow. the brewing process. And we go ahead and assume fourteen days for every beer. So in the process, this was there and it was moving along like it was going to be fourteen days, but it just finished out primary fermentation so much quicker. Um, it was done, and I was like. Oh, I guess you just sit there for a little while longer. <laughs> you just hang out. And so we let it finish out whatever little cleanup it needed to do toward the end. But it, was, it was good. Because of that, I, I bet it would be a good one for, for events or festivals or something. Yeah. You know? Like, well, we got this that I, we, we just got a timeline out. coming. And oh, two weeks from now we've got something going on. Sure. I'll have you a beer. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like it to be called? Because all that we can change um, is the malts and the hops. No yeast changes. No, that is, I mean, that's just really clean and mm. nice. Yeah, like what was ABV on this? I think it's somewhere in the range of like six and a half, six point three. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's slightly above, you know. Yeah, it's not going to be a, a huge, um, huge uh, IPA, right. seven, eight percent or something like that. Um, we've we've got some stuff coming along that's going to be up there, but you know, we talked about this a little bit off air. Our glassware is 5.75 ounces and 16 ounces, so I don't have a whole lot of wiggle room in those higher <laughs> ABVs yeah. um, to, to serve anything a whole lot in the middle, um, or a whole lot in the middle as far as size and glassware goes. Yeah. L- unless we do, like you said, a half pour or something like that, uh, which I hate. I feel like a glass should look full when you get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's when we were talking again off air about this. That's all I could think was like. Then you just use the the tasters. Yeah. Like well, and the, there the flight glasses. There are too many good style snifters out there that yeah. uh, to to 
I don't know, to do a half pour of just the big thing be do done. Yep. I don't know. And you all were talking about the stemmed wear going on right now and the big push yeah. that way. I like the stemless side of that. There are some really cool, like, almost looks like wine glasses. Oh, I always think stemless the stemless look cooler. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, so you may go you know, that direction. Well, and for, like, a stout or something, I, I mean, you're going to want the warmth anyway. Yeah. Like, it just kind of makes more sense. Yep. Let it warm up a bit. So. Bring it forward. But yeah, so this is a uh, you know standard West Coast IPA. Um, I knew that this this Eastern Kentucky crowd kind of wasn't going to be adopting this as their favorite beer, but it's also one of those beers that the true beer geeks that come in here mm. are like, oh, that's that's something I really like. Um, somebody that's that's kind of been through the the other IPAs, the New England styles, and and you know they're ready to go back to basics. This is where you go on that. This this beer makes me really want to get um, Jim down here because mm. you know he's about those hops. Hear that, Jim? <laughs> yep. You gotta you gotta get down here. Absolutely. Thank he he is gonna swing by. I've heard he is planning a uh, car trip. Cool. To yeah. take his his new ride out and really stretch yeah. its legs at oh, some point. Yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk okay. after this. Okay. Scoot. Scoot to the next. So the next up is a single hop beer. Um, this is the Mosaic. We called it the Ooh. Magna Mosaic um, because Magna Carta, Magna Cum Laude, the greatest. And so this is, in our opinion, the greatest Mosaic. That, so I've not sipped any of this, that smells just, I can't even place that, but the aroma is enchanting. I say, I want to see what you say about that because I've got thoughts. <laughs> on the aroma alone. Oh yeah. So, very hop forward. That is it's single hop. I love that. Is it a smash beer? Do we have a single malt? No. Um, oh. It definitely has has multiple hops and or multiple malts in there. Um, mainly mm. because in order for me to get the malt backbone, I think this beer needed. I had to pull forward some some interesting um, malts that you couldn't. You had to blend them together. It couldn't just come in by itself. So this one, again, has more Munich in it. Um, it's got Pell-El malt, just standard Pell-El, and then uh, Carapils to help oh. with uh, a little bit of the, the body and have retention behind it. Oh, like so, yeah, the hop is just front and center. That is your main. I think you might be getting some malt sweetness out of that's, this. That's all you're getting, really, is, is that. Uh, all right, Brittany. It is a little sweet. So it, the aroma does not, it doesn't taste like it smells mm -hmm. for me, but, and this is going to get real specific, kids, hold on. Um, <laughs> the aroma is a Christmas tree. Now, by really? that, I do not mean not a piney. pine tree. I mean a Christmas tree, as in anything other sense that you can t smell of Christmas so, with that, okay, that with balsam kind yeah. of... That's that balsam kind of fir pine so situation. Okay. I think what you're trying to say is it's resiny and it's also citrusy Ooh. and there, the resin. A, there's a okay. there's a, a layer, I guess, of yeah. those kind of scents. Tree resin and I'm getting like citrus zests and all that. Like, but yeah. also like a little vanilla. That's yeah, just, I mean, that's warming so, and yeah. yeah, interesting. And that's I mean, just it's from the mosaic aroma. Hops, <laughs> so that's what you're gonna get because yeah, mosaic's is, got a little bit of everything. Yeah. In, so it's, you're it's gonna a find pleaser. you're gonna find what you're looking but for. Yeah, and that's <laughs> what I get just from, like just from smelling it. I'm like, we oh, can look this should be the, a candle. The gigantic, <laughs> you know, the gigantic 180 of windows that's 
the tap room and you're just seeing Christmas decorations out the window. Yeah. So I could see like drinking a mosaic single mm-hmm. hop and you're looking out the window seeing Christmas and then you're just going to taste Christmas. Yeah. That's, so that's where I'm at. <laughs> it's a little sweet for that, but yes. Makes me feel a little bit better than that we're doing the double version of this right now. And so this one's going to go from six and a half percent, I think is what's on this one again, up to an eight percenter. Ooh. And so it, it's going to be double the hops. Um, it's also going to be a combo hazy mosaic double IPA. So okay. we took two of our best-selling IPAs, combined them together. And so we're using hazy yeast. We're doing hop uh, bursting. So five pounds of hops went in at the end of the boil. And so you get that hop flavor, but not a ton of bitterness. So we're using that bursting technique. And then it's the same malt bill that w- as what you got here, but with double kind of everything else. And so you're just moving uh, up w- and down. We'll be back in the like, weekend of the 21st. Yeah, so <laughs> it's going to fermenter right now. Um, okay. it le- actually, as you walked in and as we were setting up, I was putting in the fermenter. So <laughs> I haven't even pitched the yeast in it yet. Okay, um, so it should be these. ready in a Please few weeks. Please have ready yeah. for the 21st. Um, yep, should be. Th- so that kind of leads me to another question I wanted to do on the show. Yeah. Can, are you, will, okay. Pause. <laughs> crowlers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's all I need to gonna, do. You're going to do crowlers eventually. We will. Um, can we'll, you bring your own in for that matter right now? You can right bring now? your own growler in right now okay, um, okay. And, and go that route. Damn it, uh, I knew I should have brought them. Yeah, we could definitely <laughs> fill those up. We have currently, we're, I think, priced across the board at the same price for everything, um, which means if you're buying a blonde in a growler, you're probably getting a little bit less of a good deal than if you're buying a New England IPA in a growler and mm. getting a $20 growler for for a New England style IPA. Gotcha. But again, it's some places offering things in growlers that should never be in growlers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, calling out bells on this one for putting <laughs> barrel-aged expedition stout in growlers. I'm okay with that. Who? No, because once you start on that, who's going to drink that much? That yeah. beer, that's, when could, you, that's one you bring to a party. You got to have friends. Splitting a 12-ounce bottle three ways, I had issues getting that much <laughs> of it down. Yeah. Like, like that is a strong oh. stout beer. That's what you bring to a game night. That ever, that one of those nights where you also like everybody puts their keys in a bowl. Because <laughs> that is heavy and that, it's just key party. <laughs> what, what kind of <laughs> I mean, what kind of game nights you uh, going to? I'm just saying. I've not been invited to these. <laughs> um, yeah, when uh, Smoke brought, I don't know if he brought us all the same beers or, or different beers, but we all got a menagerie of different. So beers. So he brought me um, a triple puff. Triple Berry Puff Sickle from the Answer Brewery. Hmm. And that was in a crowler. <laughs> yeah. And it was like a nine percenter, <laughs> I think. Goodness. In a crowler. And I'm like, all right. So Getting we're just trash. spending the night. And it was a very like fruit forward. I mean, like. Oh, it's it, the answer. Yeah. It, that's... It's like all fruit puree type and thick. And I'm like, all right. I got to power through. <laughs> you know, we got to oh. get. It seems like the Chicago area, like well, no, that, that general. They're like out of Virginia. Virginia. Oh, yeah. the okay. out of Virginia. I was going to say, like, uh, that Midwest kind of situation seems to do the fruit thing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Midwest fruit sour. Uh, I was going to say, uh, how about who named the style yeah. uh, Urban Artifact? That'd be a good brewery to do some collaborations Ooh. with. We'll see. Yeah. They're across the border, so that makes it harder. Yeah, um, that's a good laws point. That it is. Kentucky collabs are easier than, than inter, uh, interstate than going that route. That's true. True. All right. Uh, speaking of going that route, 
I think we have what is just visually has to be the hazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is definitely the hazy. Um, oats, wheat, uh, two-row malt, I believe. Um, I thought you were going to sing it there. <laughs> two-row malt. It's, it's very, you know, it has that pineapple juice New England situation. Yep. So that one is definitely the hazy. Um, with our hazy, it was the first hazy that I'd ever made. Um, but I started taking tips from some of the, you know, the folks on r slash uh, the Reddit for the brewery. Uh, worked out really well. Uh, we, we've seen some, some good results out of this one. I was going to say, so I won't prod you for how you get your haze. Uh, a lot of people do it different ways. Nope. Yeah. And it, this is like the look of it is it's not the over. So it doesn't look like pineapple juice or orange yep. juice. It it honestly looks like heady topper. Like it looks like a slightly hazier heady topper. So my my malt bill is Pilsner malt, um, oats and wheat. And then that's all that really goes into it as far as the, the malt goes for haze. And then I've got Amarillo, Centennial, um, Mosaic, Citra in the um, hops. Oh. And here's the key. You add the hops after the boil. And that's that's how I get between the juice yeast, adding a little bit of oats and wheat, and um, the hops at the end of the boil. That's all I do to get my haze. And so the haze isn't like adding in some additional flour in there or anything like that the haze is is what it is from what the style was originally built around there's nothing added in there to make it more hazy that is an incredibly solid new england that's just right there <clears throat> it's uh, interesting to me though that i mean i think it does look like pineapple juice because of new england but nope. it does not have a juicy citrusy aroma to it so I can smell it. drink it down a little I'm bit and then swirl it. it. This is also the glasses are a little overfilled for getting yep. that aroma. Yours um, is yeah, yours is up past the bulb. This is also yeah. a what are we looking at right now? Well, I can tell you when I brewed this. It's so. also the only New England IPA you can get in southeastern Kentucky. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this one was brewed. Eight three nineteen. So what are we? We're on three months old now on this one. Gotcha. This New England IPA. So um, you know, for the hops to to kind of change over that time, we definitely saw a lot more hop aroma in that first little bit. Um, I'm I'm glad we're almost out of this because three months for a New England it's IPA, I think, is yeah. it's ready to go on and move it, to the next one. It's still good and solid though. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of where we're. Any yeah. thoughts on what you're going to replace it with? Like doing a milkshake IPA, adding some lactose in there. Some. We haven't really brewed anything with lactose yet. I'm not saying I'm against it, just not not brewed anything yet. Um, I'm thinking that we'll probably do another version of this um, with the same after this yeast gets finished with my double, because um, it's going to be the same yeast that goes into the double um, oh. IPA. As soon as it gets done with that, I may be able to reuse that yeast again and put it onto another beer similar to this. Um, we're probably going to rebrew this with a different malt bill. Um, I think I said Amarillo and Citra. 
we may add in um, some Simcoe and some other little little bit more piney resinous hops on that side. Um, I'm really pushing towards let's let's try to use stuff once um, and and change up for the next time. Um, there's a brewery in Lexington. I'll call them out by name because I think it's pretty cool what they're doing. But it's Rock House Brewing in Lexington. They're doing 12 uh, New England IPAs of Christmas. And so they're releasing 12 New England IPAs. And each New England IPA has a little bit different something going on. And so whether it be adding in some fruit or adding in some uh, lactose and some other things with it, uh, check it out because there's some really cool things that they're doing with I've that. I've never heard of them. Yeah. That, that sounds like a good idea. Like it's immediately as soon as you said the different, like with the fruit, I'm like, so like a cranberry version for christmas or something what was that? oh that's a great idea <laughs> we we do there are two things that we we usually feature a um guests of the throne um we we've got two usually on tap at any time one currently is um a when we ran out of our blonde we had to source a blonde from somebody else <laughs> so that we could you know keep that yeah. th- that group happy um and then the other side is ciders so I've never, I mean, I've brewed a cider twice in my life, and neither one were drinkable. Um, <laughs> so I'm really trying to tip my toe in that water lightly. Um, but in the meantime, what we're using for our cider is Country Boy. Mm-hmm. And Country Boy has a cranberry cider right now. Oh, yeah. I want you to taste the, of that yeah. here in a little bit if you want. Uh, but That's it a smart is, idea. Yeah, and, and those have been excellent sellers for us. Now, it's kind of hard to, to say that they're selling a whole lot better because they're using six barrels and we're using quarter barrels on our end. So I feel like they're selling quicker, but it's actually because we're changing the kegs out quicker. Uh. Um, I think our beers are selling faster, but it's just a matter of we're in a bigger container. <laughs> so it, yeah. I don't get that same. It's a, it's one of those weird mental games where I'm like, are, are they selling better than me? But whenever I'm looking back at it, math. I look at the, I look at the math and everything. I'm like, oh no, no, we're good, we're good. Is my guest tap selling better than exactly? Mine? <laughs> so, um, it's it's one of those things that we look at and we say, okay, if we bring in a guest tap and it does really well, then maybe that's a style we should really consider. Yeah. And so that's what we, we kind of poke around and, and see what works well. It's always good to have something open for the cider crowd because it is. I feel like ever growing still. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was a trend that was just kind of like riding out, and then it's like. No, they're, they're, they, so it is a thing, and it will stay a thing. I don't know if this is an off-air conversation, but uh, a suggestion to keeping it Kentucky local, maybe check with Pivot in yeah, Lexington. And their is, that who, is that who the Laura's yeah. thing was? Okay, I can never remember the name of that place. Oh, they we'll have to talk a little bit, because I, I know some folks from Pivot. They're they marketing wanted person to do and brewer. They had amazing selection there. Yeah. They wanted to do they wanted to do nothing but ciders, and then figured out, oh, yeah, sourcing yeah. that many apples year-round. Is kind of insanity, and, and they were. I mean, that's that's kind of the hard part for it is figuring out where your apples do come from. They were using some other other sources and, and trying to figure out some different ways of doing it. Yeah. Um, at least a couple of years ago, when I was talking to, to some of their folks. Yeah, we were there, and they had to like just to have something available. They had to do ciders and beer. Yeah, they hadn't intended to do beer, but there it was, and it was good solid yeah. beer. Yeah. They got a huge number of taps, and they're. Yeah. I mean, the the there's a couple. So the husband and wife um the wife does most of the marketing and communication side of things the husband does most of the brewing side and so um it's a cool combo between the two of them and a good good relationship uh builder i think on that end (laughs) whenever you can work beside your spouse yeah so okay we're we're coming up on our last beer here yep and i know we've been is this we've been we've 
we're not following the increasing in ABV anymore. Not, no, not at all, because this next one is a 4.2. I was going to say, this next one is crystal clear. Yep, absolutely. Like, that is... Oddly enough, it also has wheats and, uh, wheat and oats in it as you well. You could have... You could have told me this was a brute IPA, and I would have believed you. Yeah. That's how... You won't think that whenever you taste it. Light and clear this one is. Those, so, I was afraid. I was like, I'm about to drink, like, rubbing alcohol. <laughs> this is our Berliner Weiss. And so this Berliner Weiss is the first sour that we've dipped our toe into. We did a kettle sour version of it. Um, this We did it this way because we wanted to make sure that we weren't infecting lactobacillus in any of our equipment and so by doing it in the kettle once you turn that kettle up to boil um, lactobacillus is extremely heat um, heat sensitive and so it kills it off pretty quickly gotcha. even in all of the the little nooks and crannies and everything it's going to die so i do this two different ways this is the straight berliner weiss um, you, you know i wanted to do straight berliner weiss this has passion fruit in it though so it's got 42 pounds of passion fruit. Oh, you're going to ask syrup? Or, uh, I know there puree. Was, puree. There was puree. a lot of discussion. As if Casey's going to use syrup. No way. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't mean in the brew. I mean, so there was discussion of this long ago. If uh, Get into the Discord. Like, If mm -hmm. you want to talk with Casey about the brewery or just see our latent conversations about what's going on at the brewery, it's something we've discussed before, even on the show, I think. Casey talked about doing a Berliner Weiss and doing it in a traditional manner where you add a fruit syrup yep. post like what, as you serve it yep. so people can add their own fruit syrup because we had talked about this because at the time when he they were first you know the, when this was going on and we couldn't really talk to you guys about it that was some, like one of the hot things and I brought it up to Casey like the huge style right now are these uh, people call them slushies or whatever yep. like these gigantically overfruited Berliner Weisses yep and I was just like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? He was just like, I don't know. If people want to do that, we'll provide syrups for them to do it post. Yep. And, and that's exactly what we did. So we call it the Pank Drink, P-A-N-K, D-R-A-N-K. Um, and it is a raspberry syrup. Um, no, no additional, I mean, it's literally a simple syrup that we boil down with fr uh, frozen raspberries because they're actually better flavored than the fresh raspberries. Um, the way that all the stuff is picked and everything, you, you get it a little bit better flavored um, if you get it frozen because it's picked and, and frozen immediately. So we do frozen raspberries and a simple syrup, and that's pretty much it. Um, we may, uh, if the raspberries aren't feeling a, a very raspberry-y, <laughs> we may add some raspberry preserves to it. Um, but, I mean, in that case, it's still just raspberries, and but they're... Smucker's has a little bit better pool on the market than we do whenever it comes to uh, to raspberries. Um, so we can add that in. Usually it takes, a, in, in this size glass, it takes about half of that bottom section. And so it's about an ounce or so of syrup for five ounces or two to three ounces for a, uh, um, a full glass, 16-ounce glass. And it adds sweetness to the Berliner Weiss because this is a very dry Berliner Weiss. You're not going to get it traditional yeah. in, that, in that way. But it's very non-traditional, the fact that we added passion fruit to the base version of it. Okay. So this is, so yeah, you're saying puree was used mm -hmm. in the brewing. And not a lot. You still get a lot of that passion fruit aroma and flavor. It's a very powerful fruit. But we used 42 pounds in 115 gallons of this. So it did not take a whole lot to give us that, that background note of passion fruit. Oh, that is so good. Yeah. Refreshing. Once you add a little of that sweetness to it, you can you can really kind of see all the the, the pink drinkness of it come pank out. Drink. 
So it's it's paint drink in in name, not yeah. in look. No, it, because it's made with raspberries. Whenever you add that to the the syrup to this, it definitely turns pink. Oh, okay. Uh huh. So a um, little hanky panky. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's a, one of those drinks that we are out of the syrup right now because it's sold so well. And so we've got to get our, our commercial kitchen to, um, to make some more of that. Gotcha. Um, it's not one of those things you can just kind of whip up in the back because with the kitchen that was here, we had to tear out. So <laughs> we had to get a local, uh, one of the owners, um, he has a restaurant here in town as well. And so um, we were able to kind of get him to create us a syrup for it. So good stuff. And then strain out all the raspberries, and so you just get basically a syrup at the end. Raspberries, sugar, and water. Hmm. And that's pretty much it. This is, I, I love it. Yeah, I like. I, I have not been, as of late, a big Berliner Weiss or sour. Like yeah. I'm just not in the mood for it, I guess. Yep. It's not that I don't like it. I just haven't been about it lately. But this is not, this isn't like the technical term, but not very puckery. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is nice for me right now. We we actually were looking for something a little bit more, like the calmer version. Yeah, <laughs> and and so when we first made this, I thought, great, um, we finished about three point one pH, um, and I was like, great, this is three point one, three point two. I think it's somewhere right in between, depending on which day we took the reading. Um, and so we were like, great, this works out really well. But whenever we we went back and looked at the passion fruit. When we added that in, it went from like 3.1, 3.2 down to 2.99. And the passion fruit alone had enough acid in it to really pull it into that super tart range. Gotcha. Um, it was a very sour fruit. And so um, that, that we were really happy with it where it was. It came back down. It was fine. Um, but it took it a couple days for it to calm back down because it was very aggressive in those first couple days. Mm. I say because it is – it's – it's that nice clean. It's not overly sour, and it's not overly tart. It is really nice between those lines. Yeah. And I know with and a lot of fruited ones, it's hard. A lot of times you will come out to where you're just, it's like a warhead, and you're yeah. just like, oh. And that's one of the reasons why I'm like the sour with the sweet syrup really balances out. I wouldn't necessarily add that syrup to most of our beers, but yeah. if you wanted to add it to this, it really balances well. And so you get a beer cocktail instead mm. of just a here's your your sour beer yeah i like it um oddly enough though in the aroma i smelled apple pie <laughs> in the aroma every now and then i get sauerkraut like i definitely get because it's very similar bacteria that, that i can see both yeah. no and so i get um it's, it's the it's got to be the syrup and just like from the the apple just like the tart like a Ooh, tart apple i do get a little bit of the apple pie now that you mentioned so, it yeah, uh, Casey, I think that's an idea. You gonna you have to do an apple. Ooh. I, I edge away from apples because this acetaldehyde is a uh, yeah. an off flavor in beer, and so I edge away from it. We've got a lager going on right now. I get no uh, a green apple f aroma to it right now, and I'm really really happy to see that. There's a big sulfur note, but that's okay because it'll as it lagers it'll die down a bit. But uh, I've got that going right now. I've got, um, like I said, the double IPA, and then hopefully we'll have maybe a nut brown ale coming out soon. Ooh. So some nice. cool stuff coming down. I think uh, in the Discord we had pitched. Or actually, I think on a couple episodes we've talked about some uh, ideas for nut brown ales. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Casey even shot some of those out in the Discord. Yeah, I think there, there could be some cool things that come out. Um, as well as a wee heavy. 
hopefully mm. coming out soon. That's um, my jam right there. That may be one of our collaboration beers. That's nice. Really cool. So that's uh, yeah. So to say things, things coming in the future. Yeah. So anything like uh, other beers? You're saying a wee heavy and possibly a collaboration? Yeah, I've got the recipe built right now for a um, imperial something imperial stout of some sort. So hopefully we'll go that direction and get it. Um, get it kind of worked out so that we can get a big heavy beer. Mm. So, so yeah, the Berliner, I am loving this. It's clean and just like I get. Yeah, I would love to have it with the the syrup, giving yeah. it the all the rest of the the color and everything. It's it's a big difference in the flavor. Um, it is a completely different beer. Um, and a completely different clientele whenever you move from yeah. one to the next. <laughs> um, you get those really hard, you know, the beer nerds that are really hardcore with the Berliner by itself. You get general people wanting that, that pank drink with the syrup. Pank drink. Um, you got to do a grape drink. A grape drink. Ooh. Just something that's going to be purple when you add the syrup. And it's got to be grape drink. I'm, I mean, I am, I'm to the point right now where I'm like, how many different Kool-Aid flavors can we make up into <laughs> syrups? And we have a Kool-Aid night where this, this Berliner Weiss just ends up being... No, that's you know. that's becoming the thing. So uh, they're calling them slushies, or uh, I think Listerman does the Haterade series of oh, drinks. Yeah. Where they're trying, they're like pump, putting electrolytes into Berliner Weisses yep. and trying to pass them off as these like really crazy... Like they do, like I think I've given you cans before. Yeah. And they do. You're like, no, that tastes like... I got like, fruit punch, I think. It tastes like a, a Gatorade. I've got some um, fruit punch mix in the back that I picked up <laughs> from, um, like, GFS or somebody like that. So they, they got, like, a gallon of a fruit punch syrup. And so maybe afterwards I'll go get some and we'll, I'll put it in a little thing <laughs> and let's chase the fruit punch version of the Berliner Weiss. See what you think about that. Oh, may man. not be... You know how I am about my beer. I like traditional real ingredients and none of the fake stuff. Uh, but but sometimes know, it's fun. It is fun. <laughs> I'll drink Kool-Aid day and night. I mean, yes. it doesn't, doesn't bother me a bit to drink Kool-Aid, but there's something when you put it in my beer, I'm like, but that's not traditional. <laughs> yeah, very. Know. So I'm going to say that's very Dan Listerman of you. <laughs> is it? He's a very... Uh, oh, he was so grumpy bo- when I talked to him. He's very, like, Bavarian traditional beers. Yeah. He loves those German traditional yeah. beers. I got a, my, my lager yeast right now is a German lager yeast. And that's so. why, like, they're second location is going to be a traditional German beer hall down on 4th Street. Which he sounded very down about that when I asked him about it. When he was just like, we'll see what happens. And I'm like, isn't it happening? I I (laughs) get that. Not being at the conversation, I don't know what, kind of what, how how it goes, but I could see that response for sure. Because um, when you look at breweries like Blue Stallion in Lexington, they started out with the idea that they were only going to do traditional German styles. They were going to be a traditional oh. German style brewery. Now, do I think Cincinnati definitely has a bigger calling for that than Lexington? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, big German heritage area. <laughs> Over the Rhine seems to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when, you, you've when, got names like that. When uh, the initial inhabitants of the city said, this reminds us of these neighborhoods in Germany, we should... And, and I could definitely see Dan Listerman's hesitance of being able to think, I really want my beer in this very traditional style to take off, but ah, 
hope it does. I, I don't know if it will, but I hope it does. That that yeah. sort of attitude, like this is what it should be, and this is my vision, but I don't know if the public will will embrace that. Because I could definitely see with their new German beer hall having to serve New England IPAs Look, on the backside. He'd be so mad. If Black, would. if Black Friday is any indication, they can just do more collaborations with Bottle Logic, and it'll bankroll the whole thing. Mm. Because it by uh, what was it? By 6 a.m. on Black Friday for a 10 a.m. release, they had 70 people in line already. <laughs> That's unreal. By yeah. the time doors happened, they had uh, over 120 in line. That was after announcing that all the Bottle Logic beers were guaranteed gone. <laughs> they still had a like 70 people like, uh, if you're here for any of those beers, kiss them goodbye. Yeah. Like, don't bother coming down. And then an hour later, like, uh, we got 120 people in line. <laughs> Don't know what you're in line for. I don't think that. I don't think we'll ever get to that point in Eastern Kentucky, just because people that live here aren't. I mean, even when we have huge releases for yeah, game not. consoles, people just don't go out and stand in line. They're not there that's yet true. on that headspace. No, <laughs> you know? it is. So that's to say, like Lexington, there's not a huge release culture. Yeah. Cincinnati is a different animal. Like you get, that's Ohio in general. Columbus. <laughs> Oh, my yeah. God, Columbus. I've never gone to a release there, but I've talked to people about what releases are like. And yep. the, it's a, in absolute insanity. Yeah. And that's in Cincinnati. They're like, no, that's kind of toned down down here, but you guys still do it. And then you get to Lexington, and there's no the, no one knows what a line share is. Mm -hmm. If you try to start a line share, proprietors are coming out and telling you to knock it off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get on out of here. Uh, yeah, I, I, and a big thing of line shares is of course that drinking in line illegally yeah which for eastern kentucky is very much something that you would get called for there are there are enough problems with with alcohol in this region that you're just like can let's not let's not let's and, not invite trouble and i think that you would get called out on it by the cops around here i think there's so few <laughs> there's not a lot they're getting called there's for. so few like i don't want to be insensitive but there's so few like real crimes there's the assaults and and batteries and and murders. There's so few of those meth. things going. Yeah, yeah. No, no, like that's there's the drug main issues. Thing. That's the main thing getting called for meth. Like, oh, we got another meth lab fire out of this trailer park. But I think that it's one of those things that if you are in a line drinking a beer, people are going to be looking at you as you're there, and and people will call you on it, and and yeah. and it's kind of a weird place to be in. It's not, and it may have something. I don't know. It's, it's something to do with. In Cincinnati, it's cultural. Uh, it's uh, you're you're out of the Bible Belt up there. You're in you're in Catholic country. I was, gonna, I was gonna say that. I was like, does that sound crappy? But uh, but serious. But genuinely, it's looked at differently when with that particular um, culture or, or or sect of belief. Of, you know, like that's alcohol is looked at very differently up there than it is here. Yeah, it's part of the lifestyle that's that's accepted. Yeah. But we hopefully will will start bringing folks. I mean, when we started this brewery, luckily the city was really uh, very much behind us. Um, they helped out. Now, did it go as fast as I would have liked? No. But at the same time, anytime you're working with the government, there's there's mm. red tape to cut through and second readings and third readings, and yeah. it didn't make it on the docket this week. But you know, it, it worked out well because you know those folks are still some of our big cheerleaders. So that's yeah, you all had to get legislation changed yeah. locally 
to open this brewery? Because what? what were the specific hurdles there? Because I knew it couldn't be done. I didn't know exactly why. Like, what was it you all had to get changed? Yeah, when when you look in Pikeville, the state of Kentucky had changed their laws in 2016, 2017. You had a big Senate bill that went through and then a House bill shortly after, I think, 11 and 183 were the two big ones. So you had those two changes, and the city of Pikeville hadn't come around and said, oh, yeah, we're going to change our laws locally to match up with those changes. So the microbrewery aspect was part of the changes. The microbreweries were kind of set aside as their own entity, and so you were able to say, as a microbrewery, you could sell beer in an establishment without having to be a restaurant first. Pikeville took some kind of... uh, Early on, we, we didn't have any reason for there to be a microbrewery license here. In fact, I'm pretty sure that the brewery from Alltech was not in compliance with the, the Pikeville <laughs> City laws because they were, they were a brewery, yes, but they were also selling samples and doing some things on that end. Was it technically selling samples or were they were they like part of tours? So you because uh, I know that they're, they're brewing and distilling there and yep. most of it's trucked and shipped out. Yeah. So you you went with a tour, it was uh, 10 bucks for a tour, 12 bucks for a tour. You got four tokens. You so got to get those samples. Then you're the technically paying for but at the end of the day, you could also go up and buy a beer in their tap room mm. and say, hey, I would like to have a beer, and they would serve it to you across the counter. Ah. That's okay with the state. State gave them that license. The city signed off on the license as being, oh, yeah, you can have this license. But they didn't have any actual legislation in the city that said that the ordinance didn't actually say you could have a brewery here. <laughs> so it could have been the city one day just says, oh yeah, we we didn't realize we gave it to you and so, we didn't have a law. And it could have been shut down that day and that was the end of it. That could have been like, say Carrie Nation gets elected <laughs> mayor of Pikeville yeah. and comes in and says, no, you've got to shut this down. This is illegal. Exactly. Because it's not in the laws. Um, it, it, it very much is you know, the, the public opinion, they didn't care. So it, it just kind of worked its way through. What we went and did was we made sure that you could actually have a brewery where you could sell in a tap room where you didn't have to sell food if you didn't want to. And what was most important to us was the seat requirement. Now, I think we've got more than 50 seats in here right now, but we're in a 1,900-square-foot building, and probably 500 square feet of that is taken up just by my brewing space. Mm. So we had to make sure that if we didn't have a kitchen, we weren't going to get shut down the next day. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I think, so, I mean, I'm sure most people listening aren't familiar with Eastern Kentucky and or the concept of dry counties and things like that. Moist counties now. It, yeah, Moist. yeah. So, uh, it which is always, another issue. Well, I was going to say, so, like, it, the thing about Pikeville, though, is it was always a wet, smarter. It was a wet <laughs> city in the middle of a dry county. That, that too. But, like, yeah. they, they're not... Because I'm not, I, I'm from, you know, two towns over, essentially, or three to four towns over, two counties over. This is the economic center and of the region, Yes, though, that is to be said. That's, and that's where I'm getting, like, they're smarter about allowing things that make sense for their economy. Yep. Why not? Let a, they're like, yeah, put, put a brewery in. So and, we, and they've got the, the university to boot. So it's like, yes. why not do this? Up until two months ago, there was actually a law downtown where you couldn't have a food truck. And so just recently, this the, the food truck law has been changed. So now you can have a food truck downtown. So hopefully now that we don't have a kitchen, we can bring in food, food trucks, trucks and yeah. have food truck Fridays or whatever that may be. I think it would be a good 
collaboration to do that. Oh, um, yeah. We, we definitely have plans in the future to build out some sort of patio out front or, or deck out front, and so we've got some outdoor seating. But we've got some spacing uh, where I'm parked actually today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh I didn't tell you. I, I've joined the minivan life, by the way. Oh. So we, we bought a minivan. This it goes. makes sense for you guys. Yeah, it does. Jelly, because I want one. <laughs> They're well worth it. Ashley said she never would, and now, now we're minivan people. Um, but so where I'm parked, we could pull a back up a food yeah. truck and have it right there. I mean, there's restaurants downtown that deliver to us as we are. Yeah. But it's so much nicer to be able to say we got Taco John's out front here. Yeah. Well, okay. it's much it's much like Braxton up there for us that you know they. Well, I mean, I guess until recently, because now they've got that pizza thing kind of sort of attached, but not. Yep. Um, but you could always get stuff delivered, and then they would have periodic events of, of, oh, look, there's two or three food trucks just chilling. Not to put that bug in your ear, but another Kentucky brewery who didn't want to bother with a permanent kitchen, as they didn't know where their permanent location oh, would be, yeah. decided to open a food truck, which now sits per- semi-permanently. It could leave if it wants to. Yeah. In front of the brewery. So we've we've glanced over that decision um, or over that that idea. We've looked at um, possibilities of buying what a food truck would look like for us. And we've also looked because the laws in the state of Kentucky have changed to where we can go to a festival and set up and sell beer directly by the pint ourselves without having to and go do through it a distributor out of the truck, so that's and do it out of the same exact truck. That, yeah. So they're doing everything completely legally. The brewery is Darkness, which is um, less than a mile from our front door Still back home. <laughs> but uh, that's why that's one of the things they said, that they want to do with that. So while it's yeah. home, they can serve food out of it. And if there's a festival they want to go to, it has taps and it has the full system in it. They can just pop kegs in yep. it and they can roll to the festival. And they're not outrageous. Like, you can get prefabricated. Um, well, let me let me. There's there's two different things. So, food trucks aren't outrageous. First off, especially if you're f- adding in the stuff that actually makes it a food truck uh, yourself. Um, food trailers are even more so uh, cheap, and so we could do those. I think a little bit easier than just the truck side. But what we've looked at for out front that's not mobile is actually storage containers so or shipping containers oh so oh. for under like fifteen thousand dollars you can get a full restaurant shipping container like a 20 <laughs> foot shipping uh, probably 15 foot shipping container as a full restaurant you could just sit out front i love it and that's it's funny. got everything but the refrigerators are already there the cooktops are already there the fryers are there um, it's got a, an awning that raises up, and, and some of them even have decks on top. So you, you've got stairs that you walk around to the top of them. And they're not outrageously priced. I mean, if, if you were a savvy business person were able to put it in a place that would allow it, you could almost find an empty lot, drop one of these down, and create your own little taco stand that could make a killing. That's amazing. Okay, so th- this wasn't even something we discussed uh, <laughs> on our last little break. They were like, oh, what do we want to hit before we go? And this just came up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again... Well, one of the things we did talk about we wanted to hit before we left, some of the problems you saw going from home brewing to ramping up to a three-and-a-half-barrel system. They were surprisingly small. Um, what I can say is whenever you're calculating the time that you're going to spend um, in a system like this, you, you definitely need to overestimate for a couple reasons. So number one is the cleaning time that it takes. So I probably spend half the time that I'm here at the brewery cleaning. Um, but that's you, good to hear, though. So yeah. you're like you're doing it. You did a sour. 
and to know that you're putting the effort to clean everything. You got to clean your tanks. You got to clean your hoses. You got to clean out the full system yeah. because that could have anything left over. And luckily, with the sour, we didn't have. We don't have to worry about the hoses having that bacteria in it. And it's all about concentrations of bacteria. So, uh, whenever you hang up a hose, if it still has any sugar in it, it's going to grow something. So you've got to make sure that every hose you hang up has had hot water ran through it before you hang it up. But that's not as big as the uh, the big issue that I'm really seeing on the side of the cleaning end is the fact that everything takes so much longer to do. So if I'm at home and I'm I'm brewing in a bucket. I put that bucket in the dishwasher, and an hour later, I take that bucket out of the dishwasher, and it's done. Every bucket that I use here starts at a minimum of 800 pounds. <laughs> and so I'm not able to just move it around. The yeah. clean-in-place in aspect of it um, is, is really nice because I can hook hoses up to it. But I've got to have hot water for that to happen. And I've got to have hot water that's 30 degrees hotter than my hot water heater gets here before it pops off a valve that's like a safety release <laughs> valve that says, you don't need hot water that hot. And so I'm like, I tried it the first couple of weeks. I was like, let's see how hot we can get this water so we can use it. About 1.30, it pops off the safety release valve that keeps you from killing yourself. <laughs> um, so, um, Note to self. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I need like 140 to 160 degree water. And so whenever I come in to clean, that means I've got to fill my kettle, then heat that water up to 140 degrees before I can do anything with it. And so it's a lot of waiting around for things to get hot. Um, it's a lot of, of heat management. So that's a big, big change from the homebrew side. The other side is it's all business. So if, if, and it's all legal stuff too. So if here I want to create a Berliner Weiss and instead of adding in peach puree or, or passion fruit puree, which is a legally allowed um, substance through the federal government, if I wanted to add guava instead of passion fruit, I then have to go and get approval from the federal government to add guava to this because guava isn't a federally approved addition to a beer and you have to get formula approval. They're wow. going to approve it. There's no issues, but you've got to send in your recipe and say, hey, That's can weird. I do this? You still have to. Yep. Yeah, but... That is not a thing anyone thinks about, I no. think. Like, that's that's so strange to me. Yep, and, and it's all based off of this listing of, of you know, probably 140 different items that are legally allowed to go in beer, maybe even less than that, maybe like 60 items that are legally allowed to go in beer and not to be, uh, that you don't, they're conditionally approved, basically. So it, it's a weird space to be in where I can't just add a, a flavoring ingredient without knowing oh, yeah, this is, this is an approved ingredient. Hmm. And they'll sell it to you. They don't care a bit. Like, all these, these brewing supply groups will, will sell you the passion fruit puree the same way as the guava puree. They're not going to say you've got to get this one approved. So you've got to do your homework on the back end with every recipe and make sure is every yeah. ingredient that I put in here legally allowed. Yeah, they're just yeah. going to sell it to you because they're, it's, not, they're like, it's not our job to get no. your approvals. No, and it shouldn't be. I think, uh, I think it's definitely up to each individual brewery to do that. But I think there is some, some level of maybe we go to the, the place where everything's allowed unless it isn't. And then uh, because you know once you get to the federal government, they've probably got their own list back there that says, oh, yeah, these things we can't put in, but these things we've had 20 different people that have asked for, and every single time it's been okay. So um, I understand why Theo Joan um, or, or what's the, the – if you – for – liquor that uh, the anise flavored liquor um, makes oh. people go crazy 
<laughs> absinthe? Yeah, absinthe. So I understand why they want to get a label approval or a, a, a formula approval if you put this many grams of this per gallon. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. well, they want to approve that. But it's guava. I mean, what's, yeah. what's, what's but, crazy about say, guava? Some of it's a little strange, though. If, if a new fruit comes out that as being very popular, and I want to put plantains. Maybe bananas are fine, but plantains aren't. I mean, it, it's that simple yeah. as, as the difference are. So that was a big, big change. Um, the other side is going from homebrew chemicals, which are fairly safe, to brewery chemicals for industrial purposes, which are kill you deadly. Um, oh, yeah. Going from... Star Sand, which is a really great sanitizer. I still use a little bit here in spray bottles to a, um, a an oxygen kind of uh, it's a peroxide mixed with acetic acid. Burkox wow. is the name of it. <laughs> um, if you dipped your hand in this stuff, it bleaches your like it turns your hand paper white. I got a few drops on me once and it turned those spots paper white for a day. And so it, it, it's literally, you know completely bleached and and you can't do a whole lot with that so you've got to wear gloves all the time and make sure that you got your eye protection your ppe if you will yeah um, so um, <laughs> yeah you know me I've, I've taken a lot of those classes let me tell you sorry <laughs> uh, we work in an industry that is very on board See, i've exactly. been through osha 30 thank you very much <laughs> and and that's the other thing is how do you for me to be back there and working with an unsafe chemical it's one thing I take that that responsibility on to myself. But if you put an employee in harm's way right. working with that same chemical, you've got to really go above and beyond. So that's when the PPE aspect of it. If I'm working with it and I'm not wearing my glasses, it's just me being stupid. Yeah. If my employee isn't wearing their safety glasses, then I've really got an issue on my hands. And so those little aspects of it, nobody ever talks about. Show them the MSDS and... And and really, we've uh, I think what we've we've done is pretty cool because we've got our standards standards of practice, and I didn't have to have those at home. I didn't have to have a <laughs> right. a written up. This is how you put this chemical in this one, and how many ounces you use, and everything. I didn't have to have that at home. I just read your, the back your of own container. personal SDS booklet of just <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So now we move those online, and so our employees can go into their smartphones and look them up and watch a video of how this is done by another brewery on YouTube. And then they go in to another page, and they can download the page that we've put up there so that they can watch or they can read the ingredients list and see what goes into this. And, and so we've, we've done that in a way to where using Google Pages, I think it is, or Google, yeah, one of the, the yeah. Google apps, yeah. basically, where you can create your own web page. Um, they can log into that web page and, and view that stuff from there. So stuff like that you never think about until you're in the operations management side, <laughs> and I never was before this. So it's been a weird, weird trip. All right. Well, uh, I guess we're going to have to start closing this one out, but any anything else you want to say about what's coming up? Hopefully we'll be back here near the end of yeah. December for another episode, and we can talk more about what's coming, but uh, anything you want to – you want to put out there. Also, so, do a plug. This is the time oh, yeah. to be like, plug, oh, hey, yeah. go find us here. Yeah, so uh, brokenthronebrewing.com is our website. Um, check us out there. But more importantly, you can go on that page and find all the social media accounts because that's where you're going to find everything that you, you really probably want to see. The Instagram is probably the most updated with um, cool pictures and things that are going on. Um, the Facebook's the second most on that side. Pictures of Casey and his great coveralls that he is wearing for the episode. These are the most, you know, Let's go back to the chemical side of things. <laughs> if you have no butt, like me, you pull your pants up a lot. It doesn't matter how tight you get that belt. You're always pulling your pants up. 
if you are pulling your pants up and you've got a caustic chemical <laughs> on your hands, that means you get Truth. chemical burns on your love handles. So it does not work out well. So coveralls, overalls, anything that, like, if I wore suspenders, it would be amazing. Anything that can keep you from pulling your pants up all the time, it, it works out well. Um, on the other side of things. The more you know. The the. <laughs> The kind of the changes and things that we have coming up here soon. Um, you know, of course, we're we're going to be continuing our, our same old um, tap room service and things like that. But we are looking to expand and grow into being able to produce kegs. Um, we've got a distribution contract that's in the process of being um, negotiated right now. Ooh. I think all parties are agreeing to, to the distribution side of things. That's one area. Um, I can't say a, a whole lot, but... If you're going to go into a distribution contract, you need to understand franchise law and you need to understand what's what's going on there. And sometimes that requires spending the money to purchase an attorney for hours and hours at $500 an hour. Yep. Or it means that you go and do the 20, 40 hours of work that it takes to research these things and then go back to the attorney for the last hour and spend $500 instead of $5,000 on, on them doing the work. Um, so we're looking at potentially getting distribution in at least eastern Kentucky and potentially right after eastern Kentucky moving towards Lexington, Cincinnati area. And so moving out a little bit further um, in draft sales. Mm. And then we're looking at some new new areas that we can kind of do some different things. So number one is, of course, ciders. Um, yeah. I need to learn a lot more about ciders before we go too much further into that. Um, I remember some of your early expeditions into that when you're like, so I just ruined a, uh, a juicer with apples. Yes. <laughs> I, I tried to do a 50 pounds or so of apples <laughs> through a juicer. It was like, I don't know, somewhere around like six I just imagine smoke coming out of this thing. It, it just stopped working. <laughs> and it was like a, a, like a $350 Breville juicer. Uh, and so I let it cool down, and it eventually stopped, started working again. But, yeah. Um, Definitely a, a feat. Um, and then after we do ciders, maybe even before we do ciders, um, one of the White Labs, the, the head of customer service for White Labs Asheville um, actually is from Pikeville. I did oh. not know this. And so he stopped in the brewery yesterday, and we were able to, to t chat a little bit. Um, we talked about yeast strains that were used for seltzers. And oh. so we, we started talking and chatting a little bit on that, and I was like, you know, Champagne yeast because I was thinking something get rid of all get all the alcohol in there and go quick. And he's like, no, actually, right now, what people are using are a vodka distiller's yeast. Huh. Problem is, the company that makes that vodka distiller's yeast just sold out, and so it's it's in a shortage right now. Oh, geez. So <laughs> maybe there might be a shortage of. There's already craft, been a shortage this past summer. Even more a shortage of of craft um, seltzers until they they kind of get that kind of worked out, but. We'll see. That may be a good next step for us um, just because I'm not too proud to make money. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Look, we've talked about this before, like, uh, like, especially with the New Belgium conversation. It's like, oh, yeah, I would I would be judging the state. Like, if I, would, if I was a New Belgium employee, I'd be judging the state of national craft beer. All the way while I'm Scrooge McDucking it into yeah. my retirement <laughs> fund. And let's let's not be be too. Uh, let's be straight about it. You know, this is a three and a half barrel brew house with five <laughs> partners. Nobody's getting rich off of this. Right. But if we could definitely move this into a way where we're doing more distribution and a little bit larger production, we could definitely, I think, move from 
where I'm working two jobs plus taking care of twins to the place where I have one job as a brewer and as a, an owner in a brewery. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely a place to kind of shoot for. Are we there yet? No. Can we get there? I think so, even in eastern Kentucky. And so moving that direction, it's going to be really important to, to make sure that we cater to our audience, whatever yeah. that yeah. may be. I think you're doing really well considering you've been open a handful of months. Yeah. Like, good job, first of all. It's I mean, not even a handful of months at this point. Like, it's well, a yeah. couple of months? Yeah, three, I think so. Maybe? Yeah, because the New England was one of the last beers that we We're created before three, we opened. Yeah. And so if you don't even count our – if you count our soft opening preview night, which happened like two or three weeks before we actually opened, yeah, it's about two and a half weeks – or two and a half months. Yeah. But – we're, we're probably closing in on like two full months of actually being open at this point. I mean, like that, but you're you're killing it with that. I mean, you, you as you said, like the trivia nights have been kind of jam packed with people, and yeah. like, I mean, that's always a good decision anyway, as far as that goes for for breweries and things. But you're doing really well for uh, for something that you were very worried about, obviously. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean this area alone, you've got to worry about that kind of stuff here. Yeah, we spent a year. You know, in the process of just getting approvals and getting getting through that that whole build up process, and so when we finally got to this point, um, there's two things that I've learned. You know, number one is as as we've done this show for you know three years or so, uh, <laughs> I've been critical. I've been a jerk <laughs> to some breweries out there. I was I was thinking that the other day. I was like. Uh, the one that always comes to mind, and I feel bad about it, is we were in the guy's place, and I was still talking about what he what he needed to do um, was over at Wooden Cask, oh. and I was like, man, knowing what I know now, I was a jerk. Um, <laughs> and then the other side of it is always estimate longer. So whatever you think it's going to be, you know, estimate longer. We were like, oh, we can get this done in six months. Well, yeah, we probably could if everybody came in on time. But the electrician's off taking a vacation in Florida, and he won't be back. Or somebody's mom and dad is, isn't doing well, and so they're out of town. And so um, it's kind of like, yeah, if everybody fell into place and your, your schedule works out well, then that's great. But whenever you're paying somebody uh, the least you can get away with um, to come in <laughs> and do the work because you're working on, on such small margins trying to get started up, you're on their time schedule. Always it's remember like that uh, contract uh, bidders are, you know, it's it's a uh, who's the cheapest. Yeah. And uh, always keep that in mind, especially if you're an astronaut. Remember, uh, the lowest bidder is the <laughs> one who made what's getting ready to send you into space. Yep. So we've been good. We've been lucky to, to have a community that is extremely thirsty for craft beer. Um even if they don't know that they like New England IPAs, they've been happy to try them. Mm. And so uh, we've, we've had a community that has, has really embraced that. I've only had a couple of weird things that have happened while we're here. Um, one, I had a lady that came in and was like, uh, she, she came in and this was one of those, those Eastern Kentucky specials, if you will. <laughs> you kind of know who I'm talking about on this end. Um, so she came in and she she was like, "What's your uh, what? What do you have? Do you have anything non-alcoholic to drink?" And I was like, "Yeah, we got Coke, Pepsi, you know, Sprite, whatever." But that was that was about it. And and she was like, "Well, how about food? Do you have?" And I'm like, "You know, what? We've got places you can order in: pretzels, crackers, beer, cheese." Um, and she was like, "Well, what's your cheapest beer?" And at that point, 
you understand. And you're like, well, we got uh, one thing that we did do, and we're, I'm very happy to do it, is we put Bud Light and Make Ultra in our cooler, 16 ounce um, uh, bottles and uh, aluminum bottles. Because even though Mary Jane may like craft beer, Peggy Sue may not. And, and they may they may want to come in and they want to try some of what you've got. Well, but they want to know that their old go-to is here in case they're not a huge fan. Yes. They can still get what they always get. But Mary Jane isn't going to get around to stick around and drink craft beer if Peggy Sue isn't hasn't got anything to drink. Yeah. So if Peggy Sue is just anti-craft beer all the way around, you need to appease the lowest common denominator in that entire group. So you yep. need to be able to say, here, you can have this while this other person drinks, you know, 16 of our other beers. <laughs> you can have four or five Bud Lights and be more than happy to do that. And so we sell Bud Light for like four bucks a bottle. And she threw up her hands and she ran out. She was like, oh. I'm like, all right, sure. And maybe we're not for everybody, but that's okay because we've only had one of those incidents happen. And uh, I think it's been a, a really good experience to see that happen in I would Eastern say, Kentucky. Yeah, because yeah. everyone who comes through this door knows they're going to be trying something they haven't had before. Yeah. I, I, the, the, the number one kind of backhanded compliment <laughs> that I uh, had was um, somebody said, um, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was somewhere around the line of like, for Eastern Kentucky, I wasn't expecting much, but I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, it definitely was a compliment because they were saying that they really liked it and they enjoyed it, but they were like, whenever they came in, they weren't expecting it to be good because it was from here. I mean. I understand <laughs> that mentality. Uh, I understand it. If it had been anyone else but you, I would have probably been the same way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's It's been different, um, but – We've been able to educate. We've been able to uh, expose people to, to things they never would have had before. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool to do that while I can do it. I, c I can come down here and walk from my day job to, to <laughs> brew beer in the evenings and do that. So it's kind of cool to have All that. from one, one parking space. Yeah. Never <laughs> have to move the car. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think uh, on that note, we're going to have to close out because we're already, like, double-timed. Yeah. Um, Without a script, go. God. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you can check us out again. Uh, remember, we are on an every other week schedule now, um, just like before. But So you can check us out again uh, week after next for the next live episode on uh, twitch.tv slash haveadrinkshow. You can get some great resources <laughs> at haveadrinkshow.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, um, Instagram, all and the social media. all the know. social medias. Yes, uh, and we have, if you want to shoot us some feedback, it's feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. And my usual plug is to always drink responsibly. So I think, I that's, think that's all of them. Until yeah. next time. <laughs> uh, once again, I'm Brittany B. Walker. I'm still not Justin Frazier <laughs> and am Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>